Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to our show. This is your host, Celeste, and you're listening to the Untitled Archives, a podcast archiving the stories and legacies of Laurentians and folks of the Merrimack Valley. Before we kick off the season, I wanted to share the intentions behind this show. This show is an ode to the city of Lawrence, Massachusetts and its people. In my formative years, I always found myself seeking history. I wanted to learn more about myself, my family, and my culture. I began to wonder what our story was, our immigration stories, and why, out of all places, did we set ourselves here? This podcast serves as a way of archiving our existence. For too long, our stories have been ignored, silenced, or forgotten. Our stories are worth remembering. Our stories are still developing. They are in progress. Archiving our legacies doesn't have to begin when we're gone. It starts now, while we're here creating them. Before we go, I want to thank you for joining us on this journey. Those close to me know how passionate I've been about this. It started years back speaking to your mama and aunties while we set the table, at the cookout with the fireworks and a tipico playing in the background. This project had been brewing in me for years and now it's time to serve. <laughs> I'd also like to shout out my co-producers, Rania Henriquez, Adriel Jimenez, and Daniel Carrero. I couldn't have brought this to life without y'all. Thank you. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to our show. This is your host, Celeste, and you're listening to The Untitled Archives a podcast archiving the stories and legacies of Laurentians and folks of the Merrimack Valley. In today's episode, we'll be chatting with Karina Cornejo. Karina Cornejo is an Afro-Latina born and raised in Lawrence, Massachusetts. She graduated from the Massachusetts College of Art and Design in 2014 with a BFA in fashion design. Since then, she has worked for various mass market fashion companies in New York City and Mass., working as a designer on licensed apparel for brands such as G.H. Bass & Co. and Karl Lagerfeld Paris. She is currently a product development designer for TJX companies, where she oversees all men's apparel, as well as ladies' active and outdoor apparel. Outside of the corporate design space, she enjoys working with plants and flowers to curate spaces for events, hand embroidery, and anything that can keep her feeling inspired and creative. Karina, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. That was kind of interesting to hear my bio out loud. <laughs> Back to yourself. Yeah. <laughs> um, but tell us a little bit about yourself and all this work that you do. Okay. Um, so, like you said, I was born and raised in Lawrence. Um, I have been uh, a designer, I guess, f for about eight years now. Um, starting in New York and then kind of worked my way back to Mass. Um, what else was I supposed to say? Yeah, um, I grew up in Lawrence. Both my parents are from Lawrence. Um, 
they're both mixed. So I kind of called everybody this morning to find out like <laughs> how we got here. And everyone, Ooh. all my theas that I called were like, really, bitch, like it's 8 a.m. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's way crazy. too early yeah. to have this combo. Yeah, but um, I did get some answers on how we got here. All right. Um, so it's, it's kind of interesting because... Both of my parents were born in the U.S., mm-hmm. um, but both are um, of mixed race. So my mom is, her mom was Dominican and her dad is um, French-Canadian, mm. born and raised in New Hampshire. Wow. Yeah. Um, How'd they meet? He's a white man. Yeah. Um, so they met at the beach. They're, actually, their story is pretty cute. So they met at Salisbury Beach <laughs> and he didn't speak Spanish and she spoke no English at that mm. time. And still, like growing up, she spoke English, but it was very broken. You know, she mostly spoke Spanish, um, but she fully understood everything. And um, so I guess they just were instantly attracted to each other. And I think she gave him his number, if I remember the story correctly. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they kind of started hanging out and they got married. And that's kind of their, Aww, their yeah. love story. Yeah. <laughs> and they had my mom. Um, and then my dad, I'm not exactly sure how they met, how his parents met, um, but his dad is from Ecuador and mm-hmm. his mom um, is from Puerto Rico. Um, mm. And both of them, they're both still alive. Um, they both live in their respective countries now. Mm. Um, and I called my Ecuadorian Tia this morning to ask her how they arrived to the U.S., um, and because she still lives in the U.S., she's yeah. like who I'm closest with. I'm closer to her more than my grandfather, just because he's lived in Ecuador for most of mm-hmm. like my life. Um, but so she came first, and she married another Ecuadorian man, and they got their um, papers, and then she brought my grandfather over. Um, and then he, I want to say that he must have met my grandmother at like a factory job or something. Oh wow! Um, so. They met somehow, and they ended up getting married, um, and then they started bringing the rest of my family from Ecuador over. Mm. Yeah, that's sweet—a little family reunion after all. Yeah, yeah. Huh. Um, so that's kind of how they all arrived, and then they made my parents, mm. who made me. How did it feel growing up with all those different cultures in your family? So. Honestly, growing up, it wasn't ever something I thought of, you know, or like something, it was just like our norm, right? And my, it's funny because like I've been to Ecuador with my Dominican grandmother Mm. because she's so, uh, like one of her best friends um, is from Ecuador. And so like I've spent a month in Ecuador with my Dominican grandmother (laughs) in her friends and family's house. And we went to see my grandfather and all that, all that stuff, but um you know, it's just all kind of blended. And even my tia that I called mm-hmm. this morning, um, she was best friends with my grandmother. Like they were together at least every week. Um, mm-hmm. So it was kind of all intertwined. And I never really thought about like identity and culture, which sounds like, I don't know if that sounds ignorant of me or uh, whatever. But until I started like growing up and people would be like, oh, like you look different. Like, who are you? Where are you from? What are you? And it's kind of a question that really bugs me, like bothers me, uh, to be honest. And it's a, it's always a continuous question of like, oh wow, you look this way. Like, what are you? What does that even mean? Like, I'm a human. 
What are you? <laughs> or like, what people will be like, why do you look that way? Um, and I don't know. That's just they're a, so different from what your family. Yeah, looks like. right. Because everybody, you know, I'm a mix of things. So I'm ble- like, you know, we're all kind of blended and intertwined, and you pick up different characteristics or features from a little bit of everyone. But I think that it's a beautiful thing, and I love that um, I can kind of find how I identify within each one of these cultures. Mm. Like my mom says, I speak different Spanish when I'm talking to my Ecuadorian family. I've even picked that up in (laughs) conversations with you. (laughs) And then when I'm speaking, like versus when I'm speaking to my Dominican family or like my Puerto Rican side. Um, So I always find that funny because I don't mean to, but it's just like the expectation of language when you're speaking to them. Mm. like I called my tia this morning and I'm like, you know, que haces? And she's like, ahorita, which for them means like, ahora. <laughs> like, what am I doing right now? Um, but for like Dominicans, that would be later. Or what before. Are we, yeah, yeah exactly. depending on the context. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's sweet to hear how even in your family, you they, with their different like cultures and countries, were able to like find comfort and friendship. Yep. Um, and I think that's also a testament to the time that they had all come to Lawrence. Agree, because it was just like, we are all from different places, but we're actually all the same. And we all speak the same, same language. language. Yes, yeah. for sure. Um, yeah, and the, actually I, a part I didn't mention when how they got here, um, a lot of the family I think came in through New York. So like my tia from Ecuador, she came in to New York mm. first. And then ended up in Lawrence. And she's like, after that, you know, we just never left. Mm. Um, and she's scared of flying. So I'm like, when are you going to go back like to see her? You know, most of her siblings besides a couple of her sisters live here mm. or will come and visit. Um, and I've been dying to go to Ecuador like with that side of the family because I've mm. never done that. Um, but she's like, I don't know. Like, you know, she doesn't want to travel. The idea of being on a plane. Too. Yeah, for sure. Um and I think same for my mother's Dominican side. Like I'm, I think there were family that ended up in New York and then migrated to Lawrence. Mm. Um, and yeah, that way. Um, I know you've shared with us a bit of like the work that you do, whether it comes to like fashion or curating spaces with like flowers and plants. Um, how does Lawrence or your upbringing in the city influence your work? So actually, I think everything that I I do now um, is kind of like based on my upbringing. Mm-hmm. Um, so my grandmother and my great-grandmother, so my mom's mom, um, is kind of who raised me. And they both um, used to sew and used to make things. Mm-hmm. Um, and my grandmother used to do catering, but she also used to do um, like floral arrangements wow. for parties and things like that. And she was very... Um, very much a part of the Lawrence community. Um, she used to work at the Senior Citizen Center for a long time, and she cooked. She, I think, she started the Spanish meal mm-hmm. program the, there. From what I've heard, yeah. yeah. Um, and I grew up like going there every, like in the summertime. Mm-hmm. I'd spend the summers working with her, um, prepping the meals and stuff, which was fun. But so she was very. She did things like that. She was part of like the Lions Club, uh, which was a big <laughs> thing in the community. Um, she was very into, po- so her brother is a politician in the Dominican mm. Republic. So she used to do a lot of the, um, she used to be a part of that p- 
politician community here because mm. if you have dual citizenship, you can uh, vote in both yeah. countries. Um, so she kind of did a lot a of, that. of that. Yeah, so mm. any way that she could be in, involved in community, she was. Um, and that influenced me a lot. And I and I think that influenced my, my mom a lot mm. based on what she does for work and stuff now. But I am... Um, also, aside from that, she was very creative. And like my biggest, like the thing I always remember is like anytime we'd be at a store, it could be any fucking store, like whether we were looking, shopping for clothes or like shopping for like home decor stuff, she'd always be like, pero eso lo hago yo. Mm. And that was just kind of her thing, like she, which translates to I can make that, like I could make that myself. Like mm. why would I need to buy that? I can just make it. Um, so she loved to sew. She would make anything from curtains to like Whoa. all of my Halloween costumes. Uh, she used to make like matching dresses for me and my dolls. And that is so funny sweet. Stuff. Yeah, stuff like that. Um, and she also loved to cook and make cakes mm-hmm. um, and just a little bit of everything. So yeah. I feel like I picked up a lot of that from wow. her. That's so sweet. I yeah. think even in the stories that your family shares, I think one time... Like I stepped foot in the basement of your mom's home. Oh my god! Which it's was your grandmother's yeah. home. It's it was still full with all her pots and pans and baking dishes. Yes. So I can only imagine all of like the foods that she like got to bring and make. So good. And then to hear of like her essentially designing <laughs> your clothes for years <laughs> right, and. Right. Um, curating her home she was also a big art collector from what you've all have shared with me and what I've seen too she was an active community member a lover of the arts and a maker (laughs) yeah she was multifaceted for sure definitely rubbed off and we can see that now too in like the work that you're doing yeah a little bit of everything Mm. Um, thinking too of like your upbringing here and just the makeup of the city. What's your favorite space out here in Lawrence? I read that question yesterday and I was like, I reread it this morning and I feel like that's (laughs) so hard. You can list a few. Okay. I'd say, um, so my favorite space that I actually don't think I go to that often is Mm. that little outdoor space um, right where the Heritage Museum, like where you used to work. Oh, at the Heritage State Park, yes. their like outdoor visitor center. Yes, I love that space. Such a beautiful space. Oh, it's my favorite space. I'd say there, and then like a new space that I love to go to, and it feels like home every time I'm there is at Dajit, and I feel like mm. that's probably a common answer between all of us. <laughs> but it's just like community, like in its yeah. full sense of community and art and food and culture, and it's not even our culture because they're. Mexican, right? And I mm-hmm. don't know that there's actually a huge Mexican footprint in this area specifically, but it doesn't even matter. Like, we're just all the same. Mm. Um, and I feel like that's kind of a big, I don't know. It just feels like home. And I love that. Definitely. Um, Eric has created that space for everyone, which is cool. Yeah. Shout out to the Guerrero family yeah, they're for right. all that they do and yeah. have done in our community. Yes. Um, What's a Lawrence memory you hold dear? So I would say um, growing up, like so like I said, I would, wor- I would work with my grandmother at the Senior Citizen Center mm-hmm. in the summer times. 
And after work, we would just walk, um, like we'd walk home a lot. She didn't drive. So we would take cabs a lot um, or we'd get rides from friends, but we would also just walk. And we would walk all of Essex Street and there was like spots we would stop at. Like we'd definitely stop at the thrift stores, which we, I don't know why, but we called it the Guidi Guidi. <laughs> I don't even know what that means or where that came from. Um, so we would definitely stop at a thrift store, which was always fun. And um, we would stop at, there used to, I know there's still that candy store, but near that candy store, there was like a chocolate store and mm. my grandmother loved Were they sleep. like right next door to each other, I think? Yeah, something like that. So we would always stop in there and get chocolates and I don't know, that's just one of my favorite memories Aww. growing up. Um, I think to follow up on that, like, can you talk a bit about the changes that you've seen in the city, like your upbringing to now, right? Because some of those stores that you've mentioned like no longer exist on Essex Street. Yeah. Even the makeup of that street is very has changed over the years, right? Like it was more of a destination space. Like you knew you could go to Essex Street and find a place to eat, find do your your weekend like grocery shopping if you really wanted to or pick up an outfit if you wanted to. And I think the makeup of the street is a little different. I feel like in its uh, structure, there, like there's still some things that survived, mm-hmm. um, like Broncos, that flower, that flower shop on the corner, has still been there, there for years. I want that space one day. <laughs> um, but yeah, so they've always been there. Um, that Silver Candies place that's next door to the old candy spot that I'm thinking of. I think they might have closed down recently have they i don't know like i the space just never looks like there's it's open. people but there's people that go in and out of the building i don't know okay. if they're going in and out to sell it or whatever mm. the case is um la moda has been there my entire life <laughs> like that's been there my entire life so i feel like there are definitely a few things that are still there i think mm. that i'm excited to see the changes that are happening because i do feel like one thing, it's hard. Like, I think there's good and bad, right? Because I, mm-hmm. I think the biggest thing um, is that there is somewhat of gentrification happening, but I yeah. don't know that it's happening in a huge way because I think that a lot of the people that are still living in our city are are just successful Latinos that grew up here and want to like mm-hmm. still live in their community and give back to it. And um, like, I know that there's a lot of new buildings. I know that all of the mills have turned into apartments and are they actually accessible for the people within the community? Um, That's like the big question. Yeah, like I recently just purchased my first home by myself and thank you. And I couldn't afford to buy in Lawrence, like at Mm. all. I'm living in Lowell, which is beautiful and great in itself. Um, But I was just like, wow, I can't even afford to to live in your own city. Yeah, that's wild to me. And a part of it, like... Yeah, I don't know. I'm like, in in one aspect, it could be a good thing, but there's also people in our community that are still migrant, like still coming in, you know, they're mm-hmm. they're just trying to get on their feet. And if, if housing because becomes inaccessible, like, is that going to change the dynamic of the people living in our city? Where are they going to go? Yeah, yeah. So that makes me a little bit sad, but I do think that, there's a, I think that two things are happening at once and it's kind of just seeing how things kind of shake out in mm-hmm. the state of the world because, you know, we yeah, it, it's ever-changing. Mm. That part. Yeah. 
la vida. Yeah. I'm thinking to... I can't help but think of even like reflecting a little on legacy. I know you personally, so I know the home in which like you grew up in, that's now your mom's home, yeah. was your grandmother's home. Yep. And just seeing like a little bit of that aspect and how her space was able to like mold and hold for y'all. Mm-hmm. But even then, like she was able to pass down so many practices among your own family. Yeah. Um, and I'm I'm curious to hear like what do you feel like you're building towards? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um so yeah, I guess legacy is a, a thing that I don't think we always think about, especially in our youth. Mm-hmm. And I think that um still for me it's not something it's something I'm starting to think about now. Um now that I'm a mother. Um I have a three and a half year old. Which is crazy to say, but I think thinking about legacy and heritage and like sticking true to who we are and where we came from um, is very important. It's kind of like, what's the point of, of, you know, our lives in general? Like, what are we really doing here? And all these stresses that we put on ourselves to be successful or like, what even is success? Because um, I think it's different for everyone. And I think that in retrospect, looking back at my life um, and being raised by my grandmother and spending the majority of my upbringing with her um, really influenced who I am and what I do. Um, and it's funny because my mom says she's not an artist and you know I, I wouldn't ever mm. say my mom is an artist, but all three of her children are. <laughs> um, and I think that it's something that we all kind of got from my grandmother and even my great-grandmother because my great-grandmother also did a lot of the things that my grandmother did, you know, sewing mm. and cooking and um, just kind of being the matriarchs of the family. Uh, there weren't a lot of... Um, I come from like a lineage of single mothers and I have a really great... I had a really great relationship with my dad. He passed a few years ago. Um, but I was very, very close with my dad. Mm. Um but, and my mom has an interesting relationship with her dad. He's still alive and he lives in Methuen actually, so not far at all. Um, but they don't see each other as frequently as I feel like you should see your parents, just because I was so close with both of my parents. Mm-hmm. Um, but so we come from a lineage of strong, independent, single women. And mm-hmm. we were always together. And even now when we're always together, it is the majority of us are women. And I think mm-hmm. that, our legacy was really just, you know, being strong and being able to support your family and and being there for each other. And, you know, outside of all of those other things, you know, I think family is number one. And then after that comes, like, what you can leave for your family. And not to say that my grandmother wasn't successful, because she definitely was, like, the that they still run that... Um, Spanish meal program, I think, at the Senior Citizen Center. Mm. Um, And after my grandmother had retired or stopped doing it, one of her sisters took it over Mm. and ran it for a very long time. Um, And just like little things like that. And my grandmother, um, my mom being able to purchase my grandmother's home and my mom being able to still live in that home to this Mm. day um, is a beautiful thing. And my mom was able to kind of make it her own space, which has been really exciting to see for my mom. Um, 
just seeing her finally kind of reach her goals is, has been really exciting. Um, and I think that's a part of legacy too is like um, kind of how are we all, how are we building so that our future generations can can kind of reap the benefits of what we started. Um, and I think in that sense is where I'm trying to figure out what what my legacy will be or what that even means. Um, but yeah, I feel like I went on a, ta- a different tangent, but... No, no. It was great to hear even like the connection between it all. Um, and even now seeing that you've taken, you've now started like the next step and you are now in your own space. Um, and even then thinking of like a- after your grandmother's passing, like that legacy still exists there and we still feel it when we walk into the center and we know of the food that's being served in that space. And it's all because of a lady who years ago wanted to have like culturally relevant food being served to its community members. Exactly. Um, I also know we haven't really touched upon it, but I know of your impact um, in our community when it comes to like art and design. Um, I just, I've met so many designers out here who have learned from you or have like worked with you, been inspired by you, or you have been like the hands behind the project. Um, So I'm curious to even hear of like, where's your legacy at when it comes to the arts in our community? Um, (laughs) Miss Bag Lady Goods. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I'd say that's a tough question or things, topics to talk about. Um, so I'd say that when I was, I kind of feel like I have to kind of explain a little bit of backstory to talk about it just mm-hmm. because I feel like it kind of defines like how I feel as a creative person. Okay. Um, but I think that when, when I was in school, um, I can't say that when I was in college, I can't say that there were a lot of other people that looked like me. Um, and even even within being from Lawrence, like or telling anyone what I was going to school for, or what I was doing, like I had young parents, and my parents were very open and receptive to anything I wanted to do and be. Um, and I've you know kind of funded my own way through school because they financially couldn't. So as long as I could do that, then no one could really stop me from doing what I was doing. Mm-hmm. But I think that what was hard for me when I was in school is that there were a lot of people that were just in school and their parents sent them off to school and they could just kind of live and exist and just focus on being in school and studying. And uh, I always went to art school, so it was just being creative, right? Um, But for me, I had to like work two or three jobs. Um, Also having to survive. Yeah, just trying to, you know, be able to pay for the train to get to school every day Mm. um, or being able to afford a car to get to school um, or buy my books for this semester and my supplies. Like I remember stealing fucking markers, <laughs> um, just like because I needed them for illustration class, and they were like six dollars a marker. Extremely expensive. <laughs> yeah, um, and you know just stuff like that. And I, 
I remember seeing, there were actually a few girls after me that did end up going to Mass Art. And when I started to see, like from Lawrence, mm. and when I started to see them around, like that was really inspiring to me. Because um, it was like, wow, look at there's more of us. Mm. Um, but I think that in general, um, there's just this big disconnect within our community and the idea of going to college for anything in general, right? Like, but especially for art, like, why would you go to school for art? Mm. Like, what can you, how can you make money from that in the long run? Like, how are you going to be successful? And it's like, there's actually so many ways. It's just a matter of applying yourself and, and really doing it. And I think that, um, how I've been able to bring that back within our own community is by like, anytime anyone's reached out to me, um, on working on a project or helping them, um, launch something it's just it's really just more of like why wouldn't I like if I know how to do something why wouldn't I share that with you um and and just making it um I I think just kind of kind of like showing an example of like you can actually do these things and here's how and Mm. um and you know just don't think that you can't because I feel like even now when I tell people what I do, like strangers, like especially not to like, I don't know, especially when I'm like talking to, I remember being in the Uber, in an Uber recently and it was like this old white man um, driving the Uber and he picked me up in Lawrence and he was driving me to Lowell and he mm-hmm. was like, his initial question of course was like, where are you from? What are you, like, are you Dominican? Yes, mm. blah, blah, blah. And then he was like, oh, what do you do for work? And as soon as I said what I did for a living, it was like, oh, wow. Like, wow. Yeah. And, and that thing. So like, it just seems like such a foreign thing to a lot of people, but it's, it's not like the creative industry, especially today, like we can all, I mean, this, I feel like even the space is an example mm. of how we can all be creative um, and that there are people that really want to nurture um, and encourage creativity. And, mm. and that's just important to me because I feel like when you're in school, sometimes you're told um, like to make sure you focus on like math and science and that's kind of the ways of the world. And mm. like, I remember being in high school and telling my guidance counselor like, oh, I'm actually like senior year, I'm not taking any science class. And she was <laughs> like, what are you talking about? And I was like, I'm going to art school. On, my requi- on the requirements, I it's can pick up necessary. one more art class and drop this. Mm. So I ended up taking like APR and like a photography class, I think. Wow. Um, and my, the last science class I ever took was uh, like biology or something. <laughs> something I probably almost failed. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I think as long as you're true to yourself um, and you're, I think, being true to yourself, knowing what you want and kind of not letting anyone stop you is important. And I think that sharing that, um, sharing that information and mm. with others that want to do similar things is like important and just being an example of it. Cause yeah. like, why the fuck not? Like, why not help each mm. other grow? Um, Cause we're all, you know, here to do, we all want to do the same similar things yeah. at the end of the day. So knowledge sharing between creatives. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so what does the future of Lawrence look like? What's your idealized version of the city? Mm, um, 
I also read this question yesterday and was like, Ugh, what am I going to say to that? Um, I think, I think in, an, in an ideal world, Essex Street will be thriving. Mm. Um, I w- How? I think that there will be a more, more variety in the spaces, um, mm. like the storefronts that exist. Um, like having, there, I mean, I feel like Essex Street is mostly owned by small, independent you know, um, com- people from the community, mm-hmm. but like, it's all kind of the same thing, right? Like, it's like a Very store. Very similar. Yeah. Um, so I mean diversity in the sense of like, can there be more artisan spaces? Like, I know we have um, Island Street Studios where mm. people rent studio spaces out. You know, obviously we have ET that's growing and thriving and doing beautiful things for our community. But like, how can that manifest? Like, how can that grow onto Essex Street? Like, when mm. will will there be like an art store, or when will there be um, a gallery? Yeah, I was gonna say that. <laughs> <laughs> um, exactly, a gallery space or like a young owned, besides El Tajel, because I but that's family owned. But like, mm-hmm. when will there be these spaces um, that kind of feel fresh and relevant to the young people within our community? Mm. Because I don't know that there's a lot of that. I think it's it's building in other areas of the city, but has yet to like reach downtown. But and I feel like downtown is where it has, where it to, has be. to be. Yeah. yeah, like it's where it's missing. I but I agree with you. It's definitely thriving throughout the city, and there's pockets of it. But like, um, how can we expand on it? I don't know. And what does it take to get there? Yeah, yeah. To get a space there. Yeah, and yeah. yeah. And then affordable housing, I think, mm-hmm. is essential, but is that actually a thing that will happen? But, you know, I guess we have pockets of that too. Especially Quote now unquote. with like a lot of the development that's coming up in the city. For sure. A lot of stuff is like half and half. Yeah. Yeah. But I think, I think there's definitely a lot of potential. For sure. Yeah. I think it sounds like you want to see more art spaces in our community. (laughs) Yeah. Outside of the studios. Yes. Uh, I want us to evolve. mm. And even the studios have turned into less... I mean, it's all art. It's less art. It's less art studios, more of like an entrepreneur. um, A lot. It's hosting more of like business spaces, which I think Mm -hmm. we definitely need spaces that are like specific to small business owners, but we also need spaces that are like dedicated to artists and just Agreed. artists. Agreed. Um, like I, I know the makeup of like the former studio space that you were at has completely changed. Mm-hmm. Um, and I still think it's great to see these like young entrepreneurs like thriving with their businesses, having their clients come through in and out. But there, I, I rarely see any artists there. Agreed. Um, and I think it, even then, like a lot of the artists in this community can barely afford some of the artist studio spaces because they're getting marketed to folks that aren't even from this community because they're at such a like affordable price. Yeah. Um, and to who? Right. I, but I do think that the spaces were very affordable when they first started. Mm, I don't know where they are now, um, or how it's changed, but I think that what also um, didn't always work was that it's not a space that's seen to the public, right? It's kind of hidden in a, mm-hmm. in a um, 
like there's no foot traffic. It's private too. Yeah, it's just a, uh, it's not a space that's very open to the public unless you know that there's an event going on there. Yeah, I know that they would occasionally do like an artist walk or like mm-hmm. art open studios for like community members to come through and visit. Yeah. They'd have performances. They don't even do that anymore. Yeah. 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 So it's definitely changed, but mm-hmm. yeah, more art spaces for sure. Or art friendly spaces. Because, like, why do we have to go to New Hampshire or to Boston to buy art supplies? Mm-mm. When there, there's like an entire space, like Elevated Thought, full of creatives that why could benefit? <laughs> Anyways, hint, hint. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I know in, in my dream future, in my of what the city looks like. You're having that storefront <laughs> with your flower shop. Yeah, I'm, t- I'm buying Broncos. Slash event space. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. I want to buy. So actually, Broncos, Cesar's is like for sale. Cesar's for sale too. That's been closed for years, but they yes. keep the lights on. Really? <laughs> they, they keep- those lights are always on outside. I haven't seen that the lights are on, but my cousin rents the space right next to Cesar's, the balloon yes. place. What's the balloon pop, place? Pop and Balloon Bar, 107 Essex Street, Lawrence, Mass. Um, but there's Cesar's right next to it. It's an mm-hmm. empty space that could be like a club bar, event space, restaurant thing. And then there's Broncos <laughs> in the corner that could be, that is a flower shop already. Mm. You know, yeah. like, oh, I want to buy that whole corner. <laughs> there's so much that we can do. There's so much that we can do. I yeah. There's potential. I think we'll get there. It's up to the movers and shakers and makers of the community to get their hands on it. Yes. Yeah. Is there anything else you'd like to share with us? I don't think so. Okay. Not that I can think of. We're going to take a quick break. Cool. Hello, hello. We asked you to bring in photos for our archives. Please describe the photos that you've shared. Um, So there's two photos that I picked specifically, and they're both in the same exact spot, actually. Um, Mm -hmm. Like the camera's from the same angle and everything. And it's it's my... um, This first image. Yes. So the first image is a picture um, in one of my grandmother's apartments um, on High Street in Lawrence, um, which is kind of like where I grew up. It's it's really mm-hmm. where I have the most childhood memories. Um, but my in the photo, let me pull it up actually, sorry. But in the photo, um, we're in the kitchen space, sitting around the kitchen table. Um, and it's me as a little girl, um, my two cousins that I grew up with, like that I consider them my brother and my sister, but they're mm-hmm. my cousins. Um, my mom holding me, um, my aunt, my mom's sister, my great grandmother, and my grandmother, um, and we're kind of like all sitting around the table, um, probably in the midst of shit talk, you know, the usual. <laughs> um, and it's just 
it's like exactly how I remember growing up and like us always being in the kitchen. Um, in this photo, my grandmother isn't cooking, but I'm sure there was something on the stove. Mm. Um, and it's just like a moment in time. And it's really sweet because we're actually, everyone's smiling and posing for the picture, except Aww. for me. Um, you looked away from the camera. Yeah, I was looking away. Um, but it's just like one of my favorite memories. It seems that this was around the holidays based on the... The decorations. Yeah. Yeah, I wonder what day exactly. I wish I could. I knew what day this picture was taken, but it does look like it was probably around Christmas time mm. um, with that tablecloth on the table for sure. Um, and then the second photo um, is in the same location. You can see the kitchen table, um, but in the background is my great-grandmother at the sewing machine um, and actually blocking her is another sewing machine. Mm. Um, and then my grandmother um, kind of looking over at my great-grandmother, which is really sweet to see because it's kind of, I, I'm just dissecting this now that I'm looking at the photo, um, but it's kind of like her watching her mother um, sewing. And like, I'm sure those curtains in the background on the walls, mm. my grandmother made definitely like a thousand percent. Wow. <laughs> um, so it's just cool to see them doing that. And then the evolution would be like me. I'm a fashion designer, so I don't mm. necessarily sew. I can sew, um, but I don't get to sew every day at work, but I do get to design and create apparel, um, which is mm. really cool. A full circle moment. Yeah. Wow. Um, that's so sweet. Yeah, it is really sweet. Yeah. Well, thank you for joining us today. Thanks for having me. This was really fun. I was a little bit hesitant and nervous, um, but I'm really glad I did this because it kind of like, it opens my perspective on, on my life and how I see things and mm -hmm. even talking about legacy and heritage and our culture within our community. So thank you. Thank you. Hey, gentle listener. Thank you for tuning in to this episode. If you'd like to view the photographs and learn more about this work, please visit elevatedthought.org or the link in our show notes.